The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome to Saints Happy Hour Podcast. Uh, we have an awesome special guest. He is a re- he is a repeat visitor and friend of the program. Stan Verrett, St. Aug alum, ESPN Sports Center host. Uh, Stan, the thing I wanted to start with you about is, you know, Saints fans, we get excited about the year, and they were coming off 11 and five. But NFL, it's like I forget who jokes about it on NFL Live, which I watch every day. They say it's week to week league. But your thoughts on the Saints in August, and your thoughts. Now, after three weeks, are you in the same place? Do you have the same opinion of the team that you had going into the year? Um, well, record-wise, I really believe that they would be three and zero at this oh, point. Oh, okay. Um, the uh, the opener against the Bucks was was, was a real shocker. Um, I, I I didn't expect the defense to play that poorly. I think they just, uh, from a game plan perspective, they were really aggressive with those receivers and. And it just it just jumped up and bit them. Yeah. Um. I. You know they're 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 a, a better defensively against Cleveland, but they're not as productive offensively. And then, um, Sunday, I think they understood the difference in this case between one and two and two and one, when one and two includes two division losses in the in your first three games, um, including one at home. So I think they they responded like a team with expectations. A team that um, plans to be around, you know, in the postseason with with a serious effort on the road against another quality team, and and, and coming out with a victory. So, I mean, I, I think whatever happens the rest of the season, if if it turns out to be really really good, um, they'll look back on that game in Atlanta as as a critical point. I mean, I think this is the kind of win that could that could get them jump started. For people, so Stan, thanks again for doing this, man. And for people that don't know, you are basically the ultimate Saints fan. And uh, I don't know how you do it, but you remain positive always. You're, you're kind of like the Drew Brees of fans in terms of just always positive about the team. You go to more Saints games from afar, so traveling, than anyone I know. Uh, but I know now you're in Hawaii. I know, you know, with your responsibilities with college football and, and sports center, it can be tough to make all the games. So how, how are you doing this season in terms of actually attending these games? And are you still trying to make as many as you can? Yeah, well, I, I, I try to make as many home games as I can. The road, road games are kind of, you know, if it's a fun city or I have friends, you know, wherever they're playing, I may go. Um, but uh, this year I made both home games. Uh, there's a there's a one ten a.m. flight after my show on Saturday, so <laughs> you know that's my, dedication, my, my girl, man. My, my, yeah, my my girlfriend's waiting outside the studio with a with a cab, and I come running out the studio. We hop in the cab, go to LAX, and then boom, you know we're we're there. Um, so yeah, but you know it, it, it's fun for me. I mean, I you know I tell people when they when they ask me why I do this, it's my family moved away after Katrina. And they moved to Atlanta, and now my mom and my sister and, and my brother-in-law, they're all in, in North Carolina. And so, you know, I would go to New Orleans, and my mom would be like, hey, you don't live, you know, you, 
we don't live in New Orleans anymore. We live in North Carolina. Come see us in North Carolina. And I'm like, Ma, I didn't grow up in North Carolina. You know what I mean? New Orleans <laughs> is home. And so I, I still have a lot of friends there, you know. And so now, you know, as, as much as I'm into the game and I want things to win and I enjoy the fan experience and everything, the other great part about it that's becoming more and more important is just seeing people and, 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 and being at home. Well, half so half half of our listeners are from New Orleans, Louisiana Saints fans, of course. But and and you pro, you know this as a sports center anchor. I mean, the Saints have become an international brand, and as we've run this podcast, we've seen more and more fans from Europe, from all over the U.S. You know, when you win a Super Bowl and when you have a story like the Saints do, uh, you pick up a lot more fans not from New Orleans along the way. So as yeah. a guy that's that's now your family's maybe gone from New Orleans, so you're, you're traveling to New Orleans a lot. Uh, give us the quick 101 for our listeners that are not from New Orleans or not from Louisiana. Some go-to spots to eat while you're in New Orleans, any sort of like favorites that you have to hit up uh, when you're in town? Yeah, well, NOLA is my favorite restaurant anywhere on the planet. So I, I eat there a lot on St. Louis. Good, good French spot. Building. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bourbon House, the crab claws at Bourbon House uh, on Bourbon Street are just are unbelievable. So um, we usually stop in there. Um, you know, I, I one one game last season, I had a real hankering for just a good, solid roast beef po' boy, sloppy with the gravy and lettuce and tomato and mayo and everything. And uh, and the concierge at the hotel told me about Johnny's po' boys in the French Quarter, and I, I didn't know about it. And I went there, man, and it is it is fantastic. I mean, it it, it is how I remembered Rose Beef Po' Boys when I was a kid. And uh, sometimes I get a hankering for one, and I'm just like, okay, we're going to Johnny's. And they, they close at 4.30, so when the Saints have a noon game, you know, we got to hustle there to get there <laughs> before they close. Yeah. You know, but they look for me now. Yeah, it's going to be weird. The Saints don't have a noon game until, until week 10, which is – it's their schedule. It gets kind of strange going forward, but you know, Stan, I want to ask you this question because you're ESPN national media. And I always feel like the MVP race is this weird thing. It's like almost like an Oscar, right? It, 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 it takes momentum. Yeah. It takes a, a storyline. It takes media getting excited about a guy. And Drew Brees is like, he's never, he's been, he's been awesome. He's going to hall of fame, but he's never really had that surge of like, Drew Brees is going to be the MVP. Like he might be. He's never really been in like a really realistic MVP race. I've felt, but this year I look at him. His stats are awesome. He's completing eighty percent of his throws. Doesn't have an interception. The Saints are two and one. Their defense is is not great again. Could the, this the be the move, year? The spin move touchdown is kind of a hallmark moment already. <laughs> yep. 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 So yeah, I mean that's sort of like his his Heisman moment, you know, if you will, so far this season. So do you think he can get into the MVP race this year? And what do you think it would have to be to get him to get him in the conversation of two or three guys, whether it's Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or whoever? What do you think he has to do to sort of elbow his way into there and become not Drew, Drew Brees' future Hall of Famer to Drew Brees' MVP candidate for 2018? Well, see, the, the weird thing about it, the weird thing about it, and I don't know if it's, the writers give all the ultimate credit for what's happened with the Saints over this time to Sean Payton. 
um, or if it's something else. Because if you think about it, Marcus Colson was never a pro bowl, despite yeah. his productivity. I mean, and really, none of the receivers have ever been really recognized as pro bowl. Jimmy Graham as a tight end. But think about all the receivers that Breeze has played with with the Saints. Um, most of the running backs, you know, um, haven't been pro bowlers. I mean, most of the skill position players. So, obviously, it's a quarterback making that offense go because it's not like, hey, here's a guy, just plug him in, give him the ball. And, and This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. And, and let him go. I mean, that hasn't been the case. I mean, you could argue with Kamara and Michael Thomas now. They may be the two best playmakers that, that, that he's played with. And I think that's rejuvenated his career, but... But, you know, if you look at it, I mean, he's obviously been the engine that, that's made this go. Now, no disrespect to Sean Payton, because I think Sean Payton is, is an offensive genius, and I don't really throw that word around much. Um, but, but I think he, he's rejuvenated now with these, with these younger guys, um, knows where he's going with the ball, is delivering it there. And, and I saw a quote, he said he thinks 80% is possible for an entire season. Now, if he that's that, crazy. 80% pe- mean, that's, that's like a good free throw shooter in the NBA and Breeze is doing it throwing exactly. a, throwing a football. With 300 pound guys chasing him. <laughs> you know? So I mean that, that that's an amazing thing. And you know, you look, he's always been in the shadow of of, of Peyton Manning and of Tom Brady and to a certain extent of, of, of Aaron Rodgers. You know, and and those guys are, are all great players who are also going to be Hall of Famers. Um, you know, there was, you know, Cam Newton had the 15 and one season. And I mean, he, he was a deserving MVP that year, but I think these have sort of been like, um, a golfer, who, sort of like, a uh, a Justin Rose, you know, Justin Rose doesn't win every week, but he's always, you know, top five, top 10, you know, and then he looks up and, and he wins the FedEx cup, not because he won a whole bunch of tournaments, but because he was always near the top. He's always consistent. And I think, you know, that's, that's everything. Also, you know, Breeze uh, is not much of a self-promoter, you know, in terms of um, the way he plays. Um, there's no, you know, Superman gesture when he throws a touchdown pass. You know, there's no, it's true. no, there's no, hey, look at me. I mean, he goes out, he basically does the job. 
And I'm not saying that there's any one of the years where there was someone else who was MVP that Breeze should have gotten it over him. But I think he, he, he's always been in the conversation. Do you think if he played in a different city, it would be different? Uh, possibly. Possibly. I think, um, you know, Eastern Seaboard, you know, New York, uh, uh, you know, I, you know, I, it, 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 it's hard to tell. I, I, would, I would say yes. Um, but going back to what we mentioned earlier, I mean, the Saints are are, are uh, a popular team to like if, if yeah. you're not even from New Orleans. So in that sense, I mean, I think, you know, they get a lot of attention, maybe more so than they would get if New Orleans wasn't such a unique place, if there wasn't a Katrina storyline, if they didn't win as much. So, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't know. That, that's an interesting question, but I but I don't really know, given the unique place yeah, this- that the Saints occupy in terms of fan interest. Yeah, the Saints are, and even though the Saints are a small market, they're a watchable team. Like, if you are just flipping through the channels of the NFL games, and you your team isn't playing, or you just watch the NFL to watch the NFL, and you don't have a favorite team, I guarantee you're watching the Saints-Atlanta game from the third quarter on, because it's just a wild, great game. But... Uh, Stan, we were talking about this, and I wrote my Channel 4 column on this this week, and we, we did, I was talking to people on Twitter, and that can be dangerous and different things, but we were trying to say, I would say, Taysom Hill, Andrew said, was the funnest Saints player ever, and of course he's not the best, right, but he's the funnest, because he does all these different things. Is there anybody, because you're, you're a lifelong Saints fan, is there anybody that you can think of that's been more fun than Taysom Hill uh, in a Saints uniform? Uh, Reggie Bush, I think Reggie Bush. I mean, there was there was an electricity when Reggie touched the ball. Like any play could be a home run, you know. And and sometimes, especially early in his career, he kind of went out of his way to try to hit a home run every time he touched the ball. And he learned to kind of chill on that. But but I definitely hear what you're saying about about Taysom Hill because you know you just see the seven back there. If you're not a Saints fan, you see the seven back there. He's like, okay, how's that guy get to wear number seven? You know, and you're like, he's a quarterback. Okay, then what's he doing? returning kicks and trying to block punts and, you know, everything. So, I mean, no, he, he's definitely, he's a spark plug. He's a, he's a fun guy to watch. I mean, he contributes in a lot of different areas. And, um, you know, again, I go back to, you know, my statement earlier about, about Sean Payton. Sean Payton looked at what he has there, says, okay, what can this guy do? And to his credit and to Drew Brees' credit, I mean, there's no – you know, there's no issue, I think, when Taysom Hill comes in on a, you know, critical third and two or, or, or third and three. I mean, if you're a starting quarterback, you want to be in there and convert those third downs. And Sean Payton doesn't have an issue saying, I got a package for this guy that I feel can be effective. I'm going to put him in specifically for this type of play. And Breeze doesn't have a problem saying, hey, man, I agree. Let's go get the first down and, and, and keep moving. And so, you know, again, those are the kinds of things that happen on teams that win and win big when everybody's invested in winning and, and the personal agendas and egos are, are set aside. You, you personally, what if, if I said to you, Stan, Taysom can do a play this week, only one play that's fantastic. How would you want him to score or what would you want him to do that would be most enjoyable for you? Um, I would love to see them do a run-pass option. Oh, where 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 it looks like he's going to take off running, and then he drops back and passes, because 
because that could be a deadly play because when those linebackers see him come in, they, they probably figure, rightly so, hey, this is going to be some sort of run-pass option kind of deal. So hopefully they put in some plays. I remember an interview with Gus Malzahn when, when, when the Wildcat was, was such a big deal and the Dolphins were having all that success with it. And uh, Gus Malzahn, I, I, I saw a whole Internet post about the Wildcat, and he was explaining that the Wildcat isn't a formation. It's actually an offense. And you can build an entire offense around it. And he did it at, uh, I, I think, the high school was Spring Hill in Arkansas. And, and then he did it at the University of Arkansas when he had Darren McFadden and Peyton Hillis and those guys. He actually built an offense around it, all predicated off the deception of that repass option. But then he, would, he, had, he had some jet sweeps involved in it. He had, you know, repass option when he had three, three backs in the backfield. And then he had those, you know, a fake jet sweep out of the wildcat, you know, where it's just this whole thing. And so, again, when you have somebody with the, with the offensive imagination of a Sean Payton and you have a player with the versatility of a that can be that can be a really dangerous thing. And, you know, we've all seen since Jimmy Graham left, so many Saints drives stall in the red zone. Well, that's a legitimate red zone package that they have now that that – can not only incorporate Kamara and, 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 and Mike Thomas on those slants and Ben Watson on, on that seam route, but now you also have a quarterback who could potentially run it in or who could, who could create enough deception that he will run it in and he could and walk in around the edge. So I don't, there's, there's unlimited, unlimited creativity he's got now. I don't know how you stop a two-point play where you run Taysom Hill and he could possibly pitch it to Kamara. I don't know how a defense stops yeah. that. Cause... No. No, you. Can, they, it, you know, they add an element. It's funny. If they add an element. Yeah, if they add an element where he fakes the run option and then drops back, you know, and then and then and then he can hit receivers. I mean, that that even makes it even more difficult to try to stop. So the excitement for me, and just hearing you guys talk about this, is that you know when you look at preseason, obviously there's game tape out there of Taysom Hill playing quarterback, but when he's lining up in all these positions. The only thing that's out there right now for defensive player for defensive coordinators to game plan against is really just the the run option. He hasn't thrown the ball yep. yet in a game, so you can't. I think you know in, in the NFL, especially offensively, there's an opera. You're, you're going to get the most out of your trick plays or these gadget formations when there isn't a lot of film out there for teams to study, and so. They kind of Sean Payton. It's, this is exciting yeah. now because Sean Payton has an open canvas here where he can unveil something some week that's never been seen with this offense before and execute it where defensive coordinators are going to have to defend against it on the fly. Yep. And, yep. and all those all those third and twos and third and threes, he's like, oh, if they can just keep a, a, a drive sustained, those aren't as big of a problem potentially now. Yeah, and look, the play that Taysom Hill made against against Atlanta to, to get that third down, that wasn't like a play where Sean Payton schemed it up and it worked perfectly. Like he had to fight his way and use his athletic skill yep. to get that. That was a tremendous play on his part. So it's one of those things where even if the defense has it figured out, Taysom Hill can just be like, "Whatever, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna pick it up anyway." Um, Stan, the defense for the Saints. 
is a problem. But I look around the NFL, and you probably even know this, know this more, being on Sports Center, doing all the uh, all the team's highlights. It seems to me, defenses in the NFL. They are struggling a ton, and I know the Saints are at the bottom, but do you get the sense that defense, it's even more an uphill battle this year than it has been in the past? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, like, all the rules favor the offense. I mean, from, you know, the, 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 the pass defense and, and defensive holding, illegal contact rules to, you know, guys don't know if they're rushing the quarterback, they don't know how that play is supposed to end. Okay, so so if they get to the quarterback, they still got the ball, they don't know, okay, how can I properly sack this guy and not draw a flag? So so there's okay, if I if I if I get to him a split second late, how long do I have before they throw the flag? You know? And you know, you- these are fifteen yard chunks. So I think guys are really, really going out of their way to try to to try to figure this out. And you can't be an elite pass rusher. You can't be thrown off your rhythm by the by the threat of a 15 yard penalty and be as effective as you could be otherwise. So I think that's that's affecting it on the on, on the pass rushing end. And then you know what what is pass interference? I mean, from play to play. I mean. I watched the game over on Tuesday. I was sitting around, you know, and uh, I, I saw the, the replay of the game. There was a catch that uh, there, there, there was a there was a pass interference penalty they called on PJ Williams when he had his had his arm around yep. one of the Atlanta receivers, and they called. And, and I remember PJ Williams he's looking that up on the replay. And he's like, "What? You know, like, like what, what do you want me to do?" Right? There was a there was a, a very similar play. Um, where a, a, a Falcons defender was, was in the almost exact same position covering Ben Watson, and there was no flag. And so, so it, if you're a defensive player, you have questions about how, how do I actually play defense because some of the ways in which I've been taught to play defense are going to get me 15-yard penalties now. Like the Clay Matthews hits. I mean, if I'm Clay Matthews, I, I don't know what I can and can't do yeah. anymore. You know, those it, were legitimate football plays. You know, and it, it's interesting, the the way the sacks are now, Stan, it reminds me when I was a kid and the NFL used to throw flags, it seemed like, all the time on returns, and when the Saints would have a great return, your first instinct is, where's the flag, before you celebrate. I'm sort of at that point with sacks now, where the Saints, they get a sack, my first instinct isn't to celebrate, it's to, did they get a flag? Did, did they get a flag on the right. sack? Like, and it's just... Well, it's, it's, it's worse than that, it's... If it's a third down pass and you kind of see a, a defender close to the quarterback, like, hey, he might hit him. And then the camera goes away towards where the ball is going to the receiver. And then you see the ball go incomplete. They're still in the back of your mind. Like, am I about to see a 15 yard flag to the quarterback get hit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so imagine being an elite pass rusher and you're at the line of scrimmage and That's you got brutal. a head of steam. To try to to try to get to that quarterback as quickly as you possibly can, you get there, and I mean, like in those situations, no one is going to have 100% complete body control. Okay, there's going to be some some bang bang nature, just because it's football, you know. And and so the officials are basically asking players to control all of their physical movement 
on these bang bang plays all the time, and it, I just don't know how realistic that can be. I mean, I understand player safety, and I understand you know they want to make the game um, as 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 safe as it can be given the violent nature of the game. But there's some violence in football that that you just can't legislate. It, it just is what it is. Yeah. Has your has your passion, Stan? You're you're one of the biggest Saints fans. Has your passion for for the sport and the Saints has it changed at all with the new rules and the style of play and and CTE stuff and concussions? Has it has it changed at all? Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I was watching the draft, and it was when a lot of the concussion stuff was at the forefront. I think I don't know if there had been an incident recently, but I just remember thinking about how happy those young men are when they get drafted and it's fulfilling a lifetime of their dream. But what is their dream going to cost them? You know, as, as, as human beings, what are, what are their dreams going to cost? Them? It, are some of them going to be, you know, debilitated for the rest of their lives as a result of on the field injuries? And I'm just talking about, you know, lower body injuries, not even the brain stuff. You know, you get to the brain stuff, then it really gets, you know, it's easy to be conflicted at that point. But, you know, you say these are grown men. They're making adult choices about about a game that they understand is is violent, um, and you just hope that you just hope against hope that you know the the these people, the people who who are the players, who are, who are people, the other six days of the week, and they're and they're football players on Sunday, that they're that they don't suffer any. Uh, overly debilitating effects from from playing a game that are going to affect them for the rest of their lives. And I mean, you know, obviously that's not going to happen for everybody. But you look at them, you know, I was looking at them on draft, they said, which of these guys, you know, could possibly look back on this and say, I don't know, if I had that to do over again, I might not do it. Yeah, I think it was on the Dan Lebertard show, I think I heard Dominic Foxworth Foxworthy say, football players, we, we play and we don't think of consequences. We don't think of the consequences right. on game day. We don't think of it long term. We just think of it as it's not going to happen to me or we black it out entirely because we have to because to play football, if you thought about it rationally, you wouldn't put your body in 60 car crashes a week. You know? Um, right. So, and a part of it is youth. I mean, if you think about it, yeah. I mean, we all did crazy stuff when we were younger <laughs> that we would never ever do today. You know, sure. and so and so, a, a part of it is, you know, the NFL, if you want to say, capitalizing on the youth of the players, in that, you know, there's a natural feeling of invincibility when you're a big, strong kid at 19, 20, 21 years old, you know, and you think, you know, I'm going to be this way forever because this is how I am now, you know, yeah. and 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 maybe they don't realize, no, you're you're not going to be that way forever. Yeah. Before we get you out of here, Stan. I want to ask you, when you look at the, I thought the NFC South, I didn't think it would be as good as last year because I was like, well, it, it's the NFL, you always have, you know, half the teams that make the playoffs one year don't the next year. So there's no real way that uh, three teams will make the playoffs again. But I look at the NFC South and I'm like, Carolina is just as good. Tampa's better. Yeah, they have quarterback issues. Saints are still good. Atlanta's one and two, but they're still good. What's your thoughts on the NFC South the rest of the way in 2018? Um, you know, it, it depends on you know which Cam Newton 
continues to show up. Um, Atlanta, you have to think those uh, all those injuries are going to start to have have an effect on on them as they go along because they got hit hard, especially on defense yeah. early in the season. So you know they've they've been they've been doing it with duct tape and, and, and popsicle sticks, but you know I don't know if you can do that over a sixteen game season. And if they have any more attrition, it's going to really be an uphill battle. And you know they're they're so dependent, I believe, on Julio Jones that. You know, given his injury, if anything happens to him, I mean, you know, there's there there's some key players who who are, I think are going to dictate this. If if Jameis Winston comes back and he can keep their forward momentum going, um, then you know the Bucks will be okay. I mean, I think teams are going to. I don't know why they had to learn this again this season, but you got to give Deshaun Jackson some room. You can't try to be aggressive with him at the line of scrimmage because if you miss it's a touchdown, you know. Um, so I, I think, you know, teams are gonna are gonna lay off him a little bit more and then you know, I mean I don't I don't think Tampa Bay's four hundred yards passing a game is sustainable. No. I mean they got off to a good hot start. So I mean, you know, you, you just don't know. I mean, injuries are always, you know, the the, the big factor. Um and and I mean all those teams are playing at a high level. Um, I think it, it, it it's a very strong division, but you, you just don't know how you know, like, like if you look at the team, whoever said it's a week-to-week league, look at the team, the Saints team that played Cleveland and the Saints team that played Atlanta, and, and, and those, those are two different teams. Now, if the same team in the Tampa Bay game and the Atlanta game, I think that's basically the same thing. I mean, if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to outscore them. But, you know, the Cleveland game was a hard-fought, you know, knockdown, drag-out kind of game. I mean, at home – where the Saints usually can put points on the board, and they had a lot of problems from points on the board. So, you know, matchups and and who's available from week to week, I mean, those always dictate things. I mean, look at the Eagles and the roster that they had actually playing in the Super Bowl as opposed to their opening day roster. It was a completely different team, you know, in, including the quarterback. Yep. Starting, yeah, so, starting there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just never know how these things are going to play out over the course of uh, over the course of sixteen weeks, or seventeen well, Stan, weeks, I should say. Stan, um, you always go over with us. We could we could talk to you all day, man. So I, we appreciate this. Um, real real quick about Sunday, the Saints play in New York against the Giants. Uh, what do you need to see for the Saints to get a win? What are you expecting out of this game, and what do you need to see from the Saints to get a win? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that game. Uh, at the stadium a couple of years ago, same stadium at MetLife Stadium a couple of years ago, and Victor Cruz beat Crawley. Yeah, uh, yeah. Set him up, set him up in field goal range. Okay. This if if, that's if, a struggle. if Crawley goes, yeah, if Crawley goes out there, you know, if he if he's the starter, and I don't know if it's going to be him or PJ Williams or if they're going to uh, hurt their brain and Sterling more. Um, they're 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 going after him, and everybody's going to go after him or PJ Williams or whoever's on the other side of Lattimore. Now. Assuming they put Lattimore on on Odell Beckham, I mean naturally they're gonna they're gonna they're not gonna freeze Beckham out of the game plan because because Lattimore is on him. I mean they're they're gonna try to get him his touches, but that other corner is going to be a target because they have just been torched in every game, no matter who's been over there. And so I don't I don't really have an understanding enough of what they're trying to do in the secondary that is that is just causing these people to just be wide open 
for touchdowns. But but they got to get that cleaned up because, you know, I mean, it it can totally deflate um, an offense to go out, they score, you know, they come to the bench, boom, touchdown. You know what I mean? And then it's like, wow, you know, we, we had to work to get that seven, and now all of a sudden the other team come out just equaled it on, on one big play, and now we got to go out and do it again, you know? So yeah, it, they, 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 they got to get that fixed. They got to – I don't know if it's rolling the safety to that side and just and just admitting, hey, we know you're going to come over here and, and, and Lattimore, you're going to be on your own a little bit more, even though you're you're facing the number one guy every week. I mean, it's a real dilemma, and if they don't fix it, I mean, you remember how Crawley got picked on the first part of that season two years ago? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I guess they my went, fun- they went Crabtree went right at him. They went right at him at two-point conversion against the, against the Raiders in the first game. They went right at him, isolated him on Crabtree, took advantage so. They they got they got to fix that. Yeah, somehow they have to fix that. Yeah, and that that was the thing is like the the opposing offenses is whoever Lattimore isn't guarding, we're just going to throw at them repeatedly. So my final question, and then uh, you can get out of here, Stan. Is will you be going to a Saints playoff game in early 2019? Uh, because the Saints will make the playoffs. Um, do you think they're good enough? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think they're good enough. I mean, like I said, they they have to figure these things out, you know, on, on defense. I mean, Davenport has to start coming along. You know, they need, you know, they, they need uh, a, a, a pass rushing threat from the other side that will just let Cam Jordan be the dominant mm-hmm. force that he can be. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing I, I don't I don't understand, and, I, and I'm not an expert on on – football technique, but I seem to see this, this trend with Saints defensive backs where they don't turn around and find the football, mm-hmm. where they run with a receiver in the air, they see the receiver, and then they, and then they like swipe at the receiver. But if that receiver looks up early and they swipe at him when he looks up, they're going to get called for it every time, <laughs> you know? You know, it's... Um, they, don't, they don't seem to turn around and find the ball. And, and I don't know if it's a technique that they're taught, and I don't know if, if it's an idiosyncrasy of the guys who, who are playing, but, but they don't seem to find the football. And that's where a lot of these pass interference cost them because they're right there to make the play. They just don't know where the ball is. Yeah, And, and, so, my, it, and so they swipe at the receiver and swipe <laughs> early, and then, you know, the official's going to call that. Yeah. He's uh, right. No, that's the one thing that keeps rearing its ugly head so far early in the season. And uh, if the Saints are going to have to success have success this year, that's the that's the thing they're going to have to fix. Well, Stan Verrett, thanks for joining us, everybody. You know who he is. He's the he's the Sports Center anchor on the uh, one a.m. Sports Center. Uh, he's awesome. He's a New Orleans guy. Stan, we can't thank you enough. Uh, go back, go out and hit the links and uh, hit him straight. <laughs> hey guys, always a pleasure. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Dan.